0: Welcome to the C21 Podcast, my name's Jonathan Webdale. Today we hear from Banerjee's Marco Bassetti about the European production giant's launch of a dedicated sports division, changing relationship with streamers and broadcasters and ongoing M&A activity. Netflix's Lena Bruno on the streamer's evolving EMEA content acquisition strategy and Atlantique's Natalie Perouse on seeking out more international co-production partners. C21's Content London took place last week in the UK capital, a packed few days of discussion, debate, meetings, sneak peeks of hot new shows and keynotes from leading figures from across the international TV industry. Among the latter was Marco Basetti, chief executive of Banerjee Group, who used the event to announce the launch of a dedicated sports division hot on the heels of unveiling others devoted to branded entertainment and live events. The exec, who's been atop the European production giant for the past decade, steering it through the merger with Endemol Shine, declined to comment on swirling speculation about an imminent deal to acquire all three media, but made it clear Banerjee's M&A activities aren't yet done. He also talked about the company's changing relationship with streamers, broadcasters and how the business is adapting to tightening budgets in a conversation with Claire Atkinson.
1: Companies. You've got either a station, either Longoria's company, you've got a station running Henry's company. Uh, you've hired a head of L. You've hired a head of Digital computer. It's been a big year. Tell us about um, the kind of year that you've had. Um, uh, Is it's
2: a year uh, of diversification. It was a big year. A lot worse than first or two. Ah, uh, yes, we tried. Yes, we go to the verification, but much more in the expansion of all the different types of things. So, uh, there are other companies that we go to here, like before, here in KU, beyond be in Australia. We were very active, not there. Ooh, that sounds crazy. What else do about it? No, I'm just kidding, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> well,
1: that, but
2: the whole report talk is
1: about all three, Can you say it's not so hard.
2: It's not so used to. There's more. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so it was a very busy year, but we found also the place to go into the expansion and the justification of our business. So uh, we answered it to hire the person that is the platform, download on Twitter, and also the fund, and, then, and, then, and, Japan, kind of and uh, also we moved with move so the session we went to school, because it was a new area for us. Okay. In, um, well, if you look at the investment of Ford today, it's uh, almost 60 billion. Mm-hmm. That's all I feel like. Right.
1: That's why, right, as well as.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we believe that there is, there is a lot of content on so this big uh, uh, tournament and also the guy that buys these And I have seen also Apple, Netflix, Amazon, they are, not, or they are not to go into four. So they don't only pay to touch the matches, but they need to do more. So we have uh, we started two years to go to buy company in, the, in the we, uh in London called Austria. This we we have a deal with the media in Spain, we create the company together to create uh, all uh, to produce all the highlights and the content around the matches. <coughs> the and we have one to do this uh, partnership and content creation around uh, thought in all of our questions. Uh, digital as well was very important because uh, for us uh, it's so important in know to market to be to, and uh, yeah, that's the young audience. And we have very much suffered to that we can monetize our comfortable forces to discuss on the general situation. And mm-hmm. uh, that's the way that we work most. if we have.
1: And, got a live and the Sorry, I forgot to say this was really the most important thing.
2: that. Well, as you know, the content is growing. Cool. Even when uh, we always realize that just advertising is the into the clean channel. But the content is standing in the content. The content is growing. Where is it So, four in one of the mm-hmm. So, like there is as well to us, an area that is pretty much similar to our business model. Our business model is pretty much a cost plus based on the creation of all uh, solid So, I think that is pretty similar to our business. Okay, this we enter, We built this company that is uh, one leader in Germany, and, and uh, uh, we are already in also uh, with our platform introduce this So, for instance, just let's say two weeks ago, um, we produced the event, the ceremony of the big cricket match mm-hmm. in India. Part of Summit against India and last, uh, the back of our council's to introduced this event. Yeah. So, and use the same creative people that you are in our platform. So, they say that so we try, say, to follow where the board is going, you know, in science, on concept and creativity. That that is the the, the driver of our expansion
1: and mm-hmm. So you are coming, obviously. The company yeah. is French. Uh, you are listed in the
2: Netherlands. Yeah. Um, tell us about the scope of the business. How many countries are you operating in? Uh, what's the revenue mm-hmm. like? How, how big are you? So I think that here you are just much us wrong. So yes, we are in 21 countries and more than one hundred companies and uh, how that uh, means we are part of the new tech companies still so are and are known, and let's talk about it in 2022. Uh, we have $2.3 billion, uh, for uh, 417 million in Biggar, and I'm happy to say this year am not going to go there, good, yeah. Yes.
1: Let me stop you there because Camel Media, which is backed by Blackstone, they've been mm. in the market pushing up prices. They've been buying assets like WoodsWoods mm-hmm. production company, and they have to tell the market that they were not going to uh, hit their profit targets. Um, tell us how the entrance of private equity companies like Blackstone, Providence, and KKR, have uh, changed prices and and um,
2: Clearly, it's very hot, safe to be in the production, production world. So, as we mentioned, there's so many going on. So, uh, first of all, I believe that one of the reasons when you have to invest in a media space, it's much more safe to invest in the content. Because content uh, is much more resilient than distribution. Distribution of the knowledge continues to change uh, every month. So, when they have the space to do media, its, like it's um, mm-hmm. in and uh, more with some of those Yeah, you mentioned candle. Canada, um, though it's not only Canada, uh, that announced a sort of word, a sort of in the corporate warming this year. But uh, we are very happy that private media to our system. And there is not only the national information, but also the and many other. Because this means that you, know, uh, you are in an industry that can create value. Sometimes when uh, they say that uh, they mm-hmm. are over or maybe sometimes they don't have the right strategy.
1: It's
2: not the market. It's a market of people and, and teams. And uh, you not know, usually to say if you are the right charts today, but definitely we are happy that they can. And we are not happy when they are over-signing, right? mm-hmm. because
1: not because, to be,
2: for but for us to be, be even better, because yeah. it'd, it'd be cost. I mean, it's too hard for us, but yeah. what happened is that there is expectations mm-hmm. into the market that they are not real, mm-hmm. they are totally unreal. You know. So the fact that they are overspending, for us sometimes, is finished. Yeah. Um, why would a company sell to Banjo? What's different about you than these private equity-backed companies? <laughs> Well, I think that Banjay, if you look, let's say, what we did in the past, let's say, uh, seven, or eight years, it's quite unique, uh, for a um, But we are still, let's say, the devotee, like, uh, an underdog, and we continue to do that.
1: Okay.
2: I think that, first of all, we are not backed by big media companies. Uh, we don't have any active business, like, for instance, MTV or Fremantle. Uh, and the fact that we are a young company to give up this more difficult to get because we have less cost business, but mm-hmm. our creativity is for everywhere. It can go everywhere, for everybody. <laughs> so we don't have any creative guidance mm-hmm. uh, to do so. I think that, different from the other, uh, we are mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. all producer. since our main career is to come to be. There is no one on our group that he was, was not a producer, mm-hmm. and he said, we would like to join us. So, we speak all the same languages, and, all our, and we know very well that with 30 people, we need to share that. Mm-hmm. And it's our dogma. They are that well with the people that we create value for us. In order to have all line, interest, <coughs> the aligned interests aligned with us, from the federal government, in a way more or less company into the in this sense, we are pretty much linked. I should say that, different from the others, uh, we believe we are very limited as a central organization. And we believe that the central organization could serve, must control the local company, And we believe that as much as possible, autonomy and And we try to prove their of spirit to our managers. Yes. That's the way that we work. And then we are fantastic managers. We are fantastic financial. too. Uh, and that is the so, I think that we are pretty much unique and so, we are still interested in this. If you look the term in our company, it's sort of the fact that you asked me why we are different from the other, the term in our group is much, much right. smaller than
1: other companies.
2: Even when so talent is around. It's on the same. Also, when the talent is in, you know that they're happy and they're still comfortable to work with us. Yeah.
1: Um, let's talk about um, the, the year 2023. It's been a pretty horrific year for everybody. Probably most people are happy it's over with. Um, we saw the price of debt go up. We saw inflation in costs of producing shows. We've seen the Hollywood strikes. Tell um, I me mean how you've weathered it, and um, you know you've have a flexible cost structure that enables you to react to these kind of situations. Yes, yeah, I,
2: I believe that uh, um, because you are many to be business, it should be a flexible, to have as much as possible a flexible cost factor. Otherwise, you know, you can't uh, survive when there is a product that is not working anymore, or when there is a product, mm-hmm. or when there is a cost of money that you raise much larger than for it. But the thing was, uh, I should say, uh, uh, a, a different year compared all the others maybe more difficult compared to the because you have a business, you have a, a so investment by the students. the ground another the another investing in Europe. So, you need to be flexible if you want to reach your target. The five is, we are going to reach our target. That's very important. So, I believe that also there are some models, production models that we will. Because definitely the fact that uh, there is yeah, a decline in, uh, spending on spending uh, on the linear investment, and also the fact that the margins that you could make agreement is less compared to the margins that to be do with the commercial channel, you need to adapt your model.
1: And we should and say and most of your businesses were intellectual channels, and we've avoided or, or limited the amount of work we do to streamers because.
2: The margins are there, or the frustrations about how much up to the back end is so. I could say that it's more of so the second term that you just made. Mm-hmm. Uh, We found that be- one of uh, uh, the other friends that we have, that we have a new capital and a to distribution brand. So, the fact that in India there was less production, because there was less investment, it a gap to the state. But in order to say to have a, it's not that level. You need to have also you need to think that it will be contact with your and so this I'm is challenging,
1: challenging when you go to the Amazon and, house
2: and, house and house the Apple. So this yes. is what we be believe that we can. It's the right model to be in it. not just to be a pure plant producer, but to be an equity producer, and, and we try to defend as much as possible the European model. Where the European model, you have to say, or maybe if the production one. And do it all of the time because we believe that uh, if win-win, it's a win win situation when you share with your creative people part of the value creation. It doesn't make sense that the students today, some it's not all of them, they can be the market. whatsoever. uses the pages the tests of your show, sure you it will use the same market. Mm-hmm. I think that more they are going to share with independent producers, the more they can the security. And then as far a strong catalogue allows the people to make investment. to back down, to give them the money, the resources that they need in order to create new those. Today if you want the thing to retain an ID, you need to to invest part in of this. You cannot go in front of your clients just with a piece of paper. You need to go there. With the, pilot, with the pilots, with with a you we register, maybe the we decant. So we need to invest. We are happy to do this. We are happy to take the risk. But we don't want just to be, let's say, private women to like the producer. That's the reason why we were skeptical to work with CIMA until, the us say, 2022. Now, 2023 was a different here, because we reached agreement that for us was fair. And with other states, we have more business with them. Yeah. And the then, but and you know, it's not only because it's a matter of education, it's a matter of how the landscape is changing. So why that we cannot derive, right, are not using rights. Mm-hmm. We are able to create from an IT a brand and we have much more of they opportunity to
3: remove
2: that cost of investment. But if they live us part of the rights, because we know how to exploit this right. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day we going to be a win-win. Yeah. Uh,
1: are you, are you yes. pushing them on how fancy, are you
2: getting the kind of uh, feedback you need to know what's successful? Uh, I how think that we will really fancy. Yeah. We will arrive at that. And then we know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, maybe we don't the the that you to that, you know if there that we used to have, but we don't. mean it's a rest channel the party discussed but we go there.
1: We've got some questions here. Uh, we've seen Saudi Arabia making big money moves in sports and entertainment. <laughs> What are
2: Bali's fans in this territory and in Arabic context? It's a good question. No, it's a good question. I think I a good question, but Bali's fans are a big part of the land that's coming from the UK. And that's even reason why we uh, were not there and also we were going back from the U.S.A. also to the U.S.A. Mm-hmm. You're right, we try to follow the ball. So that's one of the things that we have to Yeah. in. This is
1: one, and we're doing of, uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned also
2: that
1: most of
2: what the students commission is, is, is uh, English language content. Yeah. And that's the same like expand. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. There are two things that maybe we <laughs> should say. One, that uh, <laughs> more and more the uh, value of the English speaking content is growing compared to any other language. Mm-hmm. So we'll we want to invest more on this area. It doesn't mean that you want to invest more in the U.S., in Ukraine, or in China, or in, in these countries, but on the, the other side, I have to say that there is a lot of investment, a lot of production that they from the U.S. outside the U.S. to be produced as well, mm-hmm. not only in, US, but in countries. Well, the U.S. So the simple reason that is, in the U.S. the costs are growing too much, and uh, so there was a bit about uh, it in, there was just about Japan. It was mostly about the actors, but there is another British that there are a lot of a lot of production that are moving from the US and particularly from California, Canada, Ireland, England, mm-hmm. uh, Netherlands, Australia, and what there is a good success as well, mm-hmm. uh, like all parts of Europe and parts of the Europe. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, an increased value of the English speaking content sort of for the four. Uh, <laughs> democratic <laughs> because the young people are used to really that use particular cables but not you can and um, and, uh, and also the because, book, because, uh, uh, you know I read just this morning that I'm uh, not one and not one of in it will be in UXR yeah. in
1: talking earlier about the arrival of advertising on lots of the platforms that
2: have not yeah. been there before. Mm-hmm.
1: Amazon Prime Video is about to unleash
2: its advertising uh, around the world. Um, how does that change the picture for you? Is, is that a benefit, you think? I think hmm. it's a benefit, yeah. And you're in the fast Channel business? Right? Yes, yeah, we have a part of the program in Fasano. We Channel a the channel in original platform. Yeah, I think that... Uh, uh, to say that uh, we should never say error, because today there are every platform that going to into different kind of subscription based on the consumption of advertising, or the screening without advertising. There are platforms that they they bundle many other platforms, and we have on the other side being a service of some that they are making in the CACU screening space, So, I think that at the end of the day, it will be a bit smaller everywhere, but also that a big part of the content audience will be here in every place, in my point of view. Maybe with a different level, with different writing as well, and then there will be also opening. The big issue for me is to understand if the platform can stay alone without that or any other, and you mentioned before Amazon, that Amazon, has a fantastic strategy on this, because now that we are hired. Uh, and know what want, uh, and you bought, they
1: know uh, uh, what <laughs> you bought, you bought, you
2: bought, you bought, you bought, And despite the fact that there are many different coming, it's another one Before we get in that company. I mean. But being in these days, uh, it they were really good. I would say how they checkered the market. Um
1: Professor, I'm just interested in to know, um, how do the folks survive? How do public broadcasters survive when they're up against these huge tech companies that mm-hmm. have all the rights, they have all the money, they have all the data? Um, what's the future for the broadcasters
2: that you talk to? Well, I, w- I, 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 I will say how the entertainment company will provide must be part of the tech company. Yes, for yes. me, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and you see consolidation coming in the streaming world.
2: Because uh, I think that the tech company, at the end of the day, they will be the real company that the market. Because they will have uh, uh, data, they will have gaming, they will have entertainment, retail. Uh, Did you see the Any more
1: local
2: company. So, yes, yeah, definitely the must, uh, and sorry, and to answer to your question as well, <laughs> for two of the <sure>. local commercial products and companies that we provide, maybe a different level, and different strategies. It's a little picture, you know, it's a little euro, it's a little white, another country, but that is a little survive. And today they are, are the only ones that are still very strong in local, live, even in are Plata now they are not to be right. Uh, and news, the issue, so far they are still the one that they have in the States. And so they're the one that they can put together many people around the same content at the same time. And they could spend less because they are uh, arriving before their own territory or for their own black. And in say that, I think that the three methods as you asked me before, they are trying to move as much as possible in this case as well. Local, live, urgent, daily, They should uh, Also because the uh, US market is the most liquid market in the world. To in the term, so, they need to move to another market, so they need to look a lot more. Um, Walter, you certainly not be the person who's
1: not looking out for 12 months or maybe 24, 3 years, 5 years. Uh, tell
2: me about your long-term plans for the aid. When do you see uh, the company moving to? We start with uh same, before that question, maybe this is something like I mentioned before, the real strategy behind the change of this year that we want to transform a production company to become. Media power company and to become let's say, the biggest European CD. That means that we need a to diversify but also say, to expand our business. And we want be able to, to say on um, the big the business, having a cost of our let's say, localities, to more to be monetized also in addition to business. That's what we believe that we want to uh, could be a kind let's there is space uh, to do this. We to form a part of our company. We need to adapt, obviously, to this model, because the yeah. business model is spending a lot. So, in typical, today, if you look at the investment, investments, instance, the rest of the channel, high volume, low cost, and we need to be there. So, we need the yeah. state to be very difficult in our organization and more uh, cost factor, and we need to start the state to Sell as much as possible, high volume. Otherwise, you are going to your market and you going to be free and also uh, your value, Um, looking for the content production, and for that, we want to take the great hero for the larger event as you already did, as we just mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: For the transportation as well, it's going to be extremely important for us. We want to do the service in order to slow our brand and IP that today we have in Europe. Um, but what do you what that digital strategy is about? It's about surrounding the stories of, uh, with what? First of all, um, I think that today we've been of the states the second so that's it, you know. It was very because you know. the through the uh, of yeah, in the ocean, uh, and when you launch this kind of the one reason why they are distributed, why? Because they are already proven to be successful this job. You don't need to do a lot of marketing on this job. It's just, and the it's very it's just a kind of a company, it's great company, it's a regional company, so it's good. But the one you are going to launch in the UK is more and more difficult because the offer is huge. So you need to market in those things. And today, not only the of China, they are not anymore capacity to invest in research and in research. But they have also rent capacity in marketing. Industry. So we need to stay along with them and try to have them in marketing. Mm-hmm. On top of this, you need to say, do something it that is over there, but it's still late to attract young brands. But young brands,
1: yeah, they
2: are not used to have this kind of long form. They want to be taken as much as possible, and they are attracted to what you show, if you show you're showing in the so, we need to find a way of how to market the new show, those also how to manage the new show. If we want to stay alive and to continue to launch the new and maintain also the very successful seronea and the, the area, very strong. That's the reason really why these is happening in the top of our discussion.
1: Um, we are out of time, but I am just going to ask you uh, mm-hmm. about whether you see. Uh, the company acquiring something,
2: or are you looking to bed down the assets that you already have? Yeah, fine. Oh. We have five. We, we, we have more. Great.
1: Well, thank you for joining us today, Marco. Thank you.
0: Netflix director of content acquisition strategy for the EMEA region, Lena Bruno, joined the business five years ago, having previously been chief content officer for ViaPlay. Bruno spoke with Nico Franks about Netflix's evolving strategy around film and series acquisitions and co-productions, a conversation during which she pushed back on the notion the streamer wants to own all rights to everything and underscored the company's continued commitment to content investment despite industry contraction.
4: Thank you for joining us, uh, Lena. So you are the director of content acquisitions, uh, acquisition strategy for EMEA and Netflix, yes. a role that suddenly is very, very in demand at the moment because the way the industry has been changing recently, there's a shift, hasn't there, uh, kind of original productions and the idea of streamers owning everything and doing everything in-house, that's not what's going to be the case in the industry. Um, so we're going to today talk about, kind of get a bit of clarity about Netflix's acquisition strategy. So, Lena, you joined Netflix in 2018. Yes. You were previously at ViaPlay. And so you're overseeing the acquisition strategy across Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Um, tell me a bit about how that role has evolved in the time you've been at Netflix.
3: Well, uh, as you said, first of all, thank you for having me here today. It's great to be here with you. Um, I've been at Netflix for about five and a half years now. Uh, A lot has happened. We've had a lot of work, we've had a lot of fun, Uh, and of course we've evolved a lot in our approach to how we're working uh, across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Um, Looking at where we are now, we've structured and set up, built really strong teams locally on the ground, teams that are working on a daily basis with the local partners that we have. And so each region has one team, which is looking at films, series, non-scripted, acquisitions, licensing, that truly can program that local country. So for example, in Germany, we have Katja and her team who are then looking at all of the different country uh, content that is coming to them. And it also enables us, I hope, to be a better partner for producers, writers, directors, all talent, Because you can bring projects to us at any stage. If it's something that is a very early development, it could turn into be a series or it could turn into become a film or it could be something that is finished and we're picking up as a license or it could be something that we are co-producing or or partnering with together with a local broadcaster. So there's there's really a lot of opportunities for us to be evaluating this this content in, Mm -hmm. in several different ways. So I think that kind of country-local focus and the teams we've spent a lot of time building up during the last five years has enabled us to have this like country-first approach. But then, of course, I work in a role covering the EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So I work with all of these teams on a, on a daily basis. We, we want to have the local autonomy and we want them to, to program holistically the best way locally but of course we also want to look at how do we do this the best way regionally and that's very much what I work with. So how do we do deals across all markets and how do we work with pan-regional partners and what is our strategy for our content across the entire region?
4: So looking for that locally relevant yes. content a, a very kind of in a flexible way across different stages of the kind of uh, lifespan of a, of a show. In terms of that shift, to what extent uh, in, in, is the balance between kind of those co-productions or very early stage programs and also the balance between kind of individual territory by territory acquisitions or pan-regional?
3: Good question, so um, I think what I would say that there's, there's no one size fits all. We, we very much want to be as, as flexible as we can to be the best partner. For, for the local producers that we're working with in each market. But <laughs> I would say the first lens we, we tend to look at is, is this something that is locally or authentically rooted? That's really what we're looking for in terms of, of storytelling. We're looking for local stories that can have a big impact locally and that has the capacity to truly entertain our members locally. And then if they also travel outside, we, we, we do see that as a bonus. But. That's kind of where we start. And we have that approach for all the content that we're looking at. If that is a a commissioned series or a commissioned film or if it is a second-run licensing. For example, in in Italy, we we recently licensed Mare Fori, which is a series that came from Rai that had a strong second-run window with us. Uh, Here in the UK, earlier this year, we entered into a new deal together with Studio Canal. Where we now take their strong pay slate, so their film slate of, of UK local theatrical films, uh, after they've been in theaters, which we are very happy about, and that of course is another proof of a strong collaboration between us and Studio Canal that we're working with in several different markets and an opportunity for us to to really be doubling down on that local content.
4: Mm-hmm. And Dairy Girls here in the UK, would that yes, be another example? Yes, Derry
3: Girls is a great example as well. We, we've had really good, um, I think, collaborations with several different broadcasters around Europe. Dairy Girl here in the UK, together with Channel 4, is a good example. Borgen in Denmark, together with DR. Um, in Belgium, we have VRT that we've been working with in terms of for undercover that we've done several seasons with. And, of course, the BBC here in the UK with the likes of Inside Man or Peaky Blinders or, or Bodyguards. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. And I really want to emphasize that there's not one shape we need to fit these things into. Uh, but we are looking for that local authenticity and, and trying to truly bring as much joy uh, and entertain mm-hmm. the members that we have.
4: And so I guess as well as working with all the different acquisitions teams in the various countries, mm-hmm. There must also need to be communication with the originals teams in those countries. So how does that work? And will you, if a producer brings a show to you that you think actually that we want that exclusive, we want to take everything, will you then pass it on to the originals team or or vice versa? Will they pass a, a show on that they actually think, okay, we don't want that exclusively everywhere, but actually this could be a great fit second window in a certain country?
3: I mean, that's a great question. I I think we're very fortunate because in all of these different markets now, we have that one country team that is looking at all of the different content verticals or content genres. So we'll have Diego in Spain or Katja in Germany (coughs) and here in the UK. And that really enables us to look at titles coming in or ideas coming in at, at all different stages. And we can also direct it to it. So it means that we're working with partners for both buying second run, uh, we could be having pay deals with them or we can do original programming. Um, the teams are working very closely together because they are programming that country and that market holistically. So what, how are they going to find the best content to bring out to our members in that market and of course also globally? Um, I think one great example is, is Konstantin that we are very fortunate to work with in Germany. We have a deal that we entered earlier this year with them, which is a pay deal, so we take their strong slate of, of local films as they've been in theatres. But at the same time, they were also the ones that produced The Child for us earlier this year, which was the hit limited series that we were premiering. So I think that partnership, and we, we have that with many others, is, is a great example on how we can work across many different genres of content, but also different windowing and, and different structures.
4: And I always like to ask acquisitions execs about their shopping lists and, mm. and what they're looking for in terms of the programming. I mean, it's such a huge multiple territory kind of geographical span that you cover. Are you able to drill down into specifics in terms of what you're looking for?
3: That's a really good question. I mean, How much time do we have mm. to, to uh, minutes. Uh, minutes. Uh, i mean it's a, it's a big reading. I, I would say if I try to like narrow it down somewhat again, I would say that it's about locally relevant content content that is local and authentic content that that truly appeals to our local members and that could look very differently. That could be uh, the empress in coming from Germany that was um, that won an international Emmy last week being best awards but what we know about our members is that they watch, on average, or I should say, on average, we know that they watch about six different genres per month, and about seventy percent of the viewing that they watch on Netflix is coming from content from a country other than their own. So what we do need to do is continuously keep having that steady drumbeat of strong content from all different markets, across all different genres. And that could be something like the Harry Potter films that we acquired earlier here in the UK that brought a lot of joy to the, to the members that we had here. Or it could be bringing on titles that are well-known that's been on other platforms, such as The Pacific or Insecure or Band of Brothers that we've recently added to our service as well.
4: In terms of kind of predicting what the audience yeah. might want to watch. To what extent does your role involve using uh, AI, generative AI, anything like that? Any examples?
3: I guess it wouldn't be a, a content conference in 2023 unless you asked me about uh, AI. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think we're a creative company. We value the, works of the, the work of creatives. The way I look at AI is that it's It's a tool that creatives can harness and and use, just as they've used other technical advances in in storytelling in the past.
4: So a question asking, how have the EU-mandated spending obligations in local markets impacted your strategy and practices?
3: That's an interesting question. Um, We we do, of course, I, I would say this. If we take a step back, like I've been working in this region for the last five and a half years now. And Netflix is very dedicated to Europe, Middle East, and Africa. I've, I've had the great pleasure to be here, to be part of building up this organization. Just a couple of years ago, we were all sitting in a, in a much smaller office in, in Amsterdam, and now we have offices across the entire region.
4: And you're based in London. I'm based I don't in know if London. No. That, yeah.
3: Uh, but we have offices across the entire region. I have the great pleasure of being, traveling to, to these offices and the, the local teams all the time that are out on the ground. When it comes to, to investment obligations, I think if policymakers see that it's necessary to have market intervention, um, I think we think it's important that these are fair and that they leave room for flexibility or flexibility so there's room for innovation. But regardless of... Obligations. We are very dedicated to to keep investing in this region.
4: Okay, and the there's a question about so the uh, the strikes in the U.S. and the impact that had um, on the relationship with U.S. sellers.
3: So I think I work with the content coming from this region. So I predominantly work with with, with the content coming from Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And when it comes to the strikes, I think. We're, we're happy the deals are done and, and that people can get back to work.
4: Yeah. And what did it change how you, were you suddenly kind of needing to acquire more because there was less coming out of the US, so you needed more here?
3: I think that the good thing, the way we're set up and also coming back to the question you had earlier, like we are very dedicated to this market where it's, it's our biggest market. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the market that has the most members for us as Netflix. And we are extremely dedicated already to be building out a strong slate of content, both acquisitions as well as co-productions, as well as um, original programming and commissions and non-scripted. So for us, it didn't change anything. We already have that focus. Mm -hmm. Just looking at this year. I mean, it's going to be the end of the year very shortly, where we're shortly stepping into December. But we all still have um, great titles coming. We have Society of Snow coming in December that we're excited about. We have Berlin from Casa de Papel that is getting his own spin-off series. We have uh, Pax Massilia from France, which is a new action series. and. And we'll start off the year in January with Love is Blind from Sweden that I'm very excited about being Swedish.
4: And I'm always interested in terms of acquisitions acquisitions execs, how agile they can be. So if something happened in the news, Mm -hmm. um, would you suddenly start acquiring shows related to a news event? Because I know traditional broadcasters do that all the time.
3: I mean, I would say that what we constantly looking for, as I was saying earlier, is really to find local authentic stories and stories that we believe will resonate and bring joy to, to our members locally. And those are also the stories that we think will will bring joy outside of the home territory. So that's kind of like the first one we're looking at. I think when it comes to being agile, being quick, I think one area where we've truly worked a lot on that and, and spent a lot of time is in how we do deals and how we approach deal making. Um, if I look at back from when I started, we, we've done a lot of reviews internally trying to understand that how can we be a great partner, how can we make sure that we are uh, flexible in our approach, how can we be uh, approach our local, pro- local producers, writers, directors in a way that makes sense for them. Um, so we spent a lot of time internally doing that on the other hand, we also spent a lot of time externally speaking with our partners, trying to understand what's important for them. And I can say like after having spent the last five years doing this here in Europe, that it's not always the same thing that's important for one partner to another. So it became very clear for us that we need to be flexible. We, we need to build in more flexibility into our deals. and. We spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, We don't own everything globally in perpetuity. We do a lot of second-round licensing. We co-produce. We look at things at all different stages. And if you look at it as a whole, we own less than 25% of the IP rights for our European content. I think that's a big evolution and a big step forward to showing much more flexibility. Mm -hmm. And
4: what's the minimum length uh, you do a deal for, and what's the maximum?
3: I would say that, again, I mean, I think that the way that Netflix is functioning is, um, if we take a step back again, our former CEO Reed Hastings and founder, he wrote a book called No Rules Rules. And that's very much the way we, we work on a daily basis. There are no set rules. There are no set limitations on how we do things. We want to be a, a strong partner. We want to be someone where you can build a win-win relationship so we can keep doing those things. And, and we're very fortunate to be working with, with a lot of great partners across the market. We work with someone like Coman across France and the UK and Germany. That are like very established partners, or the likes of Bannerj and Fremantle. But we also work with a lot of new talents, like Inoxu Films in France that did AK for us, or Lost Bullet. So, so there's there's really no set rules for for how we do things.
4: And I'm keen to talk about also the Middle East and Africa. Um, mm-hmm but obviously we don't have time to get into specific kind of country by country kind of uh, analysis, but broadly, yeah, your activities in the Middle yeah. East, uh, there's a question asking how, how challenging is that as a region, um, and and what, are you, what type of content are you looking for there?
3: I think for all of the different markets that we're working with, and I feel very fortunate to be in a position where I can work with both Europe, Middle East, and Africa, which is such a big region with so much nuances, so much differences, um, And what we are doing for each market, and it doesn't really matter if it's a European country or if it's uh, in Middle East or in Africa, it's truly to, again, zoom in and try to see what do we believe will work locally. So earlier this year, we launched our first film from Saudi, al Khalat Plus. We did Dubai Bling from that region. And, And we keep programming content that we think will have a big impact locally. So that lens is the same regardless if it's Germany or or France or Italy or South Africa or Tanzania. It's about working with local talent that we believe can have great local impact that can potentially also travel outside. And I think we've seen that uh, a lot in the past. I mean, I worked on a, being Swedish, I worked on a Norwegian film a couple of years ago called Troll, which is as probably as Norwegian as you possibly can get. It's about this enormous troll storming into Oslo, and that did great in Norway, but it also worked outside. We've seen that with Lupin coming from France. We've seen that with All Quiet on the Western Front coming from Germany, or Casa de Papel coming from Spain. So the same lens truly helps us navigate any market to look for that local, authentic story and truly trying to find ways of getting content. Because we, we believe that great content can come from anywhere and, and travel everywhere.
4: And that old age that comedy doesn't travel, are you still... Because there's, there's always examples that, that you know disprove that, but broadly, do you find that comedy isn't one of the genres that travels better compared to something like you mentioned, horror, thrillers, things like that?
3: I think there's there's always nuances in what can travel and what can not travel, and there's certain genres that that has another ability to to be traveling better, and there's also certain territories that have a lot more content coming from certain genres because they have more tradition in it. Again, I think we keep seeing surprises. I think we constantly get surprised over what, what has worked and what hasn't worked. So... We keep and for us also as we said as I said earlier that our members on average work six different genres per month, it means that we need to be programming all of those genres. So we're very, very interested in trying to be the best within each genre and, and to get the best local content from each market.
4: And I feel like uh, there's a few questions all with the word co-production popping Mm -hmm. up. So I feel like that's an area that people are really interested in. So maybe we could just return to that that subject. And I think there's a a trend back towards co-productions in the industry as well. So what do you look for in a co-production and and what are some of the best ways that producers, if they are to get a successful co-production off the ground with you, how should they do it?
3: Well, I think, again, there's, there's no set like shape or form that, that needs to be filled in. I think what we want to do, and this is why I think these local country teams are so good as well, since they are covering all genres, all different content, you can come to them with content at all different stages. Um, when it comes to co-productions, we would evaluate it as, as any other idea. We would look at, is this something we believe will fit our slate? Is this something that we believe could work for us. Uh, it's something that we believe is local and authentic. And again, many of the co-productions we've stepped into do have that local authenticity. Um, if you look at Borgen with uh, the the deep rootedness in, in Denmark that we did together with DR, is something that is extremely deeply rooted and, and, and very local. So, with evaluated under the same kind of circumstances and on the same lens as we would evaluate other titles and. Then, of course, we need to have a discussion with producers and also if there are other broadcasters on board to understand how uh, how we can collaborate around this title. How can we make sure that what we're building is, a, again, a win-win situation that makes sense for both parts and also that we are creatively aligned, that we want to create the same kind of content. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we still very much look at and work at. Last year, we had a big hit in in um, Greece with Maestro, um, Maestro in blue I should say, not Maestro the film, um, which we are also very happy to be working around and we have done a lot. VRT has been a great partner for us in Belgium with the undercover titles that we've been doing there. and We've really managed to build that out. And again, the UK broadcasters here has, has been superb as well. So uh, it is something we are looking at similarly to, to any other title and also, bringing in that flexibility just means that we need to have the same view as the partners we're working with and and that we want to achieve the same things. Mm-hmm.
4: And a lot of those yeah broadcasters you mentioned there were public service broadcasters. Yeah. So is there a kind of does, do they get talked about much in uh, Netflix about you know how important they are in terms of in terms of their contributions to the overall ecosystem?
3: We we want to as I said earlier we want to be a great partner for um, all the partners we're working with. And when I'm saying partners, as I said, producers, directors, writers, talent, broadcaster, distributors, whoever mm-hmm. there is. And it's something that's, that's very important for us. And that's why we've worked hard to really try to be as flexible as we possibly can on deals. And we've done a lot of, of work in, in the evolution there. So all the partners that we are partnering with on a local basis is, is very important for us. Mm-hmm.
4: And what would be some of the top measurements you look at when you're uh, deciding the success of a of a title? Would it be awards? Would it be kind of social media chatter? Um, yeah, what 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 constitutes success?
3: I mean, to be fair, like what we're really here to do is to entertain our members. We're we're here to bring member joy. Uh, what I work with every day, what the team that I work with works with every day, is very much to make sure that we have content that will bring our members joy. And that could be anything from Quiet on the Western Front or Le Pan or or the Harry Potter films here in the UK, or it could be some of the titles we're getting from our partner SF in the Nordics. So there's there's so many different ways of achieving that, but what we're constantly striving for is is very much to bring member joy and and have our members but be entertained by the content we have.
4: And looking ahead to 2024, obviously 2023 was really tough for pretty much every TV market you can think of. Um, You know, Nordics, for example, had a a particularly challenging time, seems partly down to the influx of streamers and then the sudden kind of pullback. Do you foresee kind of... Better times ahead in twenty twenty four. What's your kind of a current assessment of the health of the market in the EMEA?
3: Well, that's that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think what we've realized, and what our competitors probably also realize, is that streaming is a great business, but it's also a hard business. Um, we're very dedicated towards this region to keep working with Europe, Middle East, Africa to keep investing in these regions and to to keep growing this region as well. So, so I'll, I feel optimistic.
4: Good stuff, okay. That's good, reasons to be cheerful then. And I suppose just finally, we could talk about coming up in 2024, what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities for, for the people in the room to work with Netflix?
3: I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself slightly, but I do want you to bring us the best local authentic stories that you have. We, we sincerely think that great stories can come from anywhere and travel anywhere. Uh, we want to be serving those local audiences with the best stories out there and across all of the various genres. And and I think that what we are very eager to hear is to hear your great ideas and to hear them at all different stages, to to come to us at the early idea stage when you're wondering if it should be a film or if it should be a series, to come with it when it's finished. or when you might want to, to sell us the pay rights because you have already secured your theatrical distribution and, and that we can be that partner that you can work with regardless of the windering, regardless of the structure, regardless of the genre, and really be that flexible partner that can that bring your content out both locally and also outside of the home territories. But we, we are focusing on getting that best local content. That, that, that's truly our mission.
4: Great. Well, thank you for your questions and uh, for your time, and thanks, Lena, for joining me. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Natalie Peruse, General Manager of Atlantic Productions, the media well-known maker of series including the Eddie, Hierro, Borgia and the Transporter, was at Content London pitching a project with US-based participant, a cyber-thriller called Pegasus. She spoke to Michael Picard about that. Other titles in the works, including one with former footballer Eric Cantona, several with Miramax, and more, as well as her wish to strike up further co-production partnerships.
5: So, Nathalie Perus uh, from Atlantic Productions, which is a company um, of Media One Group, based in Paris. Uh, so, it's part of Media One Studio France, the TV branch. Media One Studio France has. 30 companies, most of them do mainly local content. Uh, And the mission for Atlantique is really like to carry out all these international co-productions.
6: And so we're sort of at Content London. We're coming to the end of 2023 as we record. How's the year been for you?
5: It's been very, very good. Um, A lot of developments. I took over the position of general manager 18 months ago when Olivier Bibas, the previous head of Atlantique, was tapped by plus to head the drama, the originals there. So it's been a lot of uh, developments, you know, uh, dealing IPs, looking for co-producers. And we partner with, you know, European co-producers or with American co-producers. Participant is one, you know, for uh, for Pegasus, but uh, we also have a development deal with Miramax and we are developing two projects. We have uh, projects with Italian companies, with Spanish companies, with UK companies. Uh, So it's been a lot of, a lot of development for us. Also because we want to expand the volume of uh, international productions that we are going to do. And so now we've set most of our projects already with writers, and we're in the middle of uh, developing pilots, scripts. And so for next year, Atlantique uh, will be in production for a show um, with Netflix. We also just shot a, a TV series uh, local language for M6 about the world of the serial killers and people are fascinated by serial killers. And it's with Eric Cantona and we will shoot two shows in 2025. So most of the year 2024 is going to be like uh, writing all the episodes for these two shows.
6: Great. And, and so at Content yeah. London, you've been pitching Pegasus, which you mentioned. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that one?
5: Yeah. Uh, this is a very important one both like very compelling uh, because you know like it's a spy with a very fast-paced and uh, uh, real stakes of life and death and, but it's also like a crucial matter uh, uh, because you know we really want to help uh, uh, broaden the message about uh, the threat to democracy with um, these uh, Phone, phone spyware uh, that was turned against innocent targets. I know many journalists or dissidents were either imprisoned, tortured or even killed. So that is, like, you know, it is also our mission, you know, in entertainment uh, to bring big issues uh, to screen so that, you know, like the uh, audience around the world can be reached out and that they know about it. Uh, so we that that's also why we uh, wanted to partner with participants because they share this mission of, you know, having a global impact on important matters. Uh, I think they're the best and they've proved it with uh, Citizen Four or Spotlight. Uh, and it's a complete organic global co-production because you know like it affected uh, the you know, Spain France UK uh, Germany the US Middle East uh, India so everyone is you know concerned about it and aware Uh, So even though, like, you know, if you don't have a protagonist that is uh, uh, connected to one of these countries, you don't need to do, like, a a big portal, but it resonates with everyone. So this is, like, very, like, the kind of organic stories that we want to, you know, tell on a global level. Uh, We've attached Amit Cohen and Ron Lashem, who are Israeli uh, writers, but they both were Journalists and they also started as you know, com- they did computer science. So they're you know, very valid, you know, when it comes to knowing about the material and it's important for them also to tell these um, big, you know, political stories that creates also like growing environments and scary environments. Yeah.
6: I mean, how do you with a topic as important as this, um, how do you make it a compelling, entertaining idea for the viewers so they don't sort of get caught up in in the detail of you know the tech behind the show? Because
5: we we won't see the tech, okay, uh, and it, it it's not the point, you know. Like people don't need to know how the virus is conceived, and uh, you know, like what are the algorithm behind it, you know. But um, the fact also that all the you know like the phones and the computers were potentially corrupts it forced the uh, this journalists and these victims to do like spy ground stuff old style. So, and it was, you know, so during COVID, so if they wanted to meet, like they had to do like, you know, on a bench in a park. They couldn't just contact each other, you know, through emails or through the phones. So they really had to go and see the victims and try to warn them and avoid all the surveillance that were around us. And the source was also in the middle of all this. They were really like in danger. And uh, if like the more, uh, the more the journalists were digging and investigating, the more you know alerts they created uh, from the survey you know, at the surveillance agencies that were like the main guys, uh, and so it put. This source and danger of you know of, of death, so it's also like a paradox where you want to bring the truth and, and publicize it, but it also creates a big danger on the source. Yeah. Uh, and it's thrilling because it's a, it's really like a, a spy story, but like with people who are not spies. So they you know they deal with all these like uh, uh, carry emotions. They have people who uh, try to uh, track them and. Um, and murder them. And so that's how it becomes.
6: uh, Yeah. Yeah, Great. And you mentioned obviously it's a co-production, that's Atlantic speciality co-production. How are you finding the co-production market at the moment? Because there's a lot of talk obviously with economic tough times at the moment and co-production is. Having a renewed focus, so how are you developing those projects?
5: We need to develop international productions that have a, a European perspective, that you know bring new stories, but also like uh, with the know-how of European productions, where we can bring like big stories but uh, with lower budgets. And if these stories talk to a global environment, then it's easier to uh, be made you know, and then uh, raise money. I think also like we're shifting like the the stories are shifting a bit from their position where they say like global stories you leave it to us and we do it from uh, the US uh, and in every local territory you deal with a local story because you know like they've been buying all rights even for local stories. And then they may complain sometimes that they don't travel because it's like, you know, for a local audience. Uh, and they realize that uh, maybe they need to find a new model, and that's where we want to be. Like, uh, be able to do co productions with also net, you know, like uh, uh, platforms uh, like we used to do with, you know, Canal Plus and Sky or, or, or France Television and ZDF. You know, it can be also a new way that. Uh, Uh, For a specific story, like, you know, uh, Netflix UK is going to partner with Netflix France and that's where we try also like uh, to have these conversations with the platforms. And I think there's a space. Uh, I used to work with Fox International Channels. Fox was dealing, you know, with the big uh, U.S. uh, domestic uh, shows and we had like, smaller budgets in each country, but we would join forces on uh, TV series and we would uh, co-produce like a, you know, a Latin American uh, series or a Canadian series. And you know, I think this model can also work with, uh, with the streamers. Another example you know, uh, of a show that we're developing at Atlantique, uh, besides Pegasus, and that we want to shoot in 2025 is Until You Ask. It's ba- based on the story of the family that was conned by uh, Robert Handy Frigard, who is you know, uh, uh, quite well known uh, in the UK because he's been cunning people and he's been already in prison several times. And and, the the last victim, he took the mother to hide uh, in a very remote village in France and the children were looking for her for seven years and they finally located her thanks to uh, the documentary that that, uh, they made for Netflix. And they finally partnered with the French villagers, you know, to uh, free her. And so it's organically a story between the UK and France but like these stories are very universal and so that's that's why it can resonate with you know other countries and we have other countries that are interested you know like other networks from other countries outside of the uk and friends that are interested in this story because it's very universal like you know it's a story of, it's a love story uh, you know between a mother and her children and how you know a con man can completely destroy a family so this is another way of doing co-productions but that can like lower budget, but still like be English speaking and or or, or organic languages, but that can travel. Uh, we also developing a series with uh, Tom Fontana, with uh, whom we've already uh, worked on uh, *Borgia*, uh, and this is also gonna be like a, a, a global period drama uh, show. We also have a series that is written by uh, French writers. Uh, but that we can shoot, uh, you know, in whatever language, because it doesn't tell a French story. It's like it's, it's like Papillon, but uh, with a uh, woman in the middle of the jungle. So it's it's an action escape series with women, and that can be like like it because the genre. I think it's it's important that uh, the the genres are very like very much identified, uh, and you know corresponds to uh, the international standards and. That that's also what makes it more international. You know, like uh, if if it's pure local drama, like very specific writing uh, for local territory, that that's when they travel less. But if you stick to a genre that is well, you know, identified, like this one, like escape, you know, escape series, I think that
6: helps. I mean, are there in your experience of co-productions and people who are maybe looking to move into co-productions for the first time I mean what are some of the things people should be aware of beyond finding the right story how do you make the partnership work perhaps behind the scenes bringing two companies together or more than two companies Uh, maybe
5: (laughs) I would say like it first like it's about the story and it needs to be one a story that really stands out like the originality and the specificity and the singularity of the story is going to be like very important ip is going to be important Uh, international like it needs to resonate like whether it's a well-known figure, or whether whether it's a, like an important current affair that everyone has heard about, or whether it's a big book you know that has resonance everywhere. It's it's still about the the IP that people can share, like you know that belongs to the belongs to everyone, like a story that can belong to everyone. And then you you figure out uh, where you can. Find the first commissioners. You know where it makes sense to anchor it, like in which countries, uh, and then you 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 look for partners in these countries. Uh, and then, like, if you're a smaller company, you uh, you can go to bigger companies, uh, you know, who can handle like more easily, like all the negotiations or look for you know or attach uh, bigger talents uh, raise more money if you're already like an uh, established company like uh, uh, you know atlantic and media one you you partner with you know, like people who are gonna you know, uh, uh, bring a compliment to what you, you know, how you make it uh, uh, bigger or more compliment. You bring, you know, a French writer and they bring an Italian writer, or you bring the director and they bring the writer. Like, it's very important in the co production because it's all gonna be like a communication, it's gonna be like a very long process that you agree first on the series that you wanna make like the tone the genre the like like what what is the message that you want to convey and how you want to do it. it is very important that you agree on the artistic yeah. even before you start agreeing on the business like this is like a like a very much like a big advice
6: yeah absolutely yeah. and so what other um, sort of issues i guess in the industry are you sort of hearing about at the moment where are your thoughts going into the start of 2024, about where the business is heading? Um,
5: 2024, I think, you know, like, uh, of course the market is contracting. Everyone is buying less and they want some, you know, like more, uh, yeah, they need to, because the market is so busy, they need like very original series. So it's about like, you, know, like you need to bring material that is like very original, like, with uh, big talent, big value—like uh, big value—I mean artistic value—and uh, I think uh, for us in international co-productions, because it's not going to be like a local language, uh, we need to work hand in hand with uh, the networks and the, and the platforms who are now like trying to reconsider their model and their—you know what what they wanted. Do both the like, business-wise, with whom they want to partner, the kind of show that they want to make. I think you know, like the last five years was like a great frantic uh, period for uh, European drama because like we've been producing a lot, and with all these newcomers, they were buying a lot, uh, and now everyone is reconsidering like, okay, what is my focus, uh, and so we need to work now um and and hear more uh, work hand in hand with um with the streamers and the networks to bring them content that could help them also to find their you know like editorial line but also like try to understand where they want to be in one or two years so it's a, a moment like with a lot of uh, move and we need to be like very flexible and bring solutions but i think you know we have that capacity at media one to be, like very flexible both on our artistic and uh, on the business because we've been dealing, you know, with complex organizations and you know, like, uh, you know, how do you bring the puzzle together? And we we have like this very agile mindsets. I think it's uh, it's uh, great that there are markets like uh, uh, Content London or, or or in in Rome, the Mia or Mania that bring together uh, like uh, producers from uh, around the world and and also uh, Europe because. It was more difficult uh, uh, before, yeah. you know, to uh, find uh, partners and you know meet a lot of producers, uh, because we are like small indies, so it's not like we're traveling all the time. So like I think it 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 also makes um, creates more um, like a, a good uh, ground, you know, fertile ground to bring ideas together, because it's, it's very long, you know, like when you find an idea. Mm-hmm you know, and then you, uh, you are looking for a partner. Uh, it's very long you know, to bring this idea of a co-production in, in place. So. For us, uh, and I used to live in the US, um, and when I came back two years ago, I thought like, I mean, it's a very good time to be a European producer now, because we, like, the, the market is really like a reinventing itself, uh, so in a very positive way, and it's a, a the fusion of, uh, you know, of of, of ideas of uh, everyone, um, everyone, you know, like question themselves how we can do it better, how we can do it differently. So it's a great time for us for European production. Yeah. And, and especially also because uh, I think we we uh, grew in experience and, and skills in the TV uh, business, and we know how to produce good stories at a lower budget, and we can attract you know more globally. So that's a very yeah, great. Time. Yeah. Yes.
0: Natalie Peruse speaking with Michael Picard. That's all for this episode. But you can hear more interviews by tuning in to our C21 FM internet radio station from Monday. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 Online on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.